It's Monday, and that means it's time for a new episode of Interviewing People, the career cast where you can learn about a variety of careers from people actually doing the work. Today I'll be talking with Terry Leibold, who once walked these halls and is now retired from a career as a photographer for NASA. Terry will be sharing about his experience working at Marshall Space Flight Center, riding in the Vomit Comet, meeting people like President Bush and Neil Armstrong, and much more. So enjoy the show. Welcome to another episode of Interviewing People, and today we have a very special guest with us that I was introduced to by Mr. Marshall because uh, he was back in Van Buren this summer for his 50th class reunion. He's a 1971 graduate of Van Buren. His name is Terry Leibold, and he worked as a photographer for NASA down in Huntsville, Alabama at the Marshall Space Flight Center. So he's going to be talking a little bit about his experience. I've never talked to someone in person that uh, has worked at NASA, and I'm really interested to hear his story, and I think we can probably all have a lot to learn from his career experience. So Terry, thank you very much for joining us. And I just love to hear a little bit about how did you actually end up at NASA? Well, I was working in Cincinnati. My wife and I were both working in Cincinnati. She was had a government job working for the Air Force Audit Agency. And she's originally from Florence, Alabama. And she thought it would be time for us to move closer to home. And uh, so one day we decided to drive down to Huntsville and uh, she had some meetings already scheduled and she went in and interviewed with, I think, three different departments, came out and they called her back and ended up with a job at the NASA Inspector General's office as an auditor. Well, now I've been in Alabama without a job and uh, a small child. So I was staying at home with my daughter and kind of freelancing as a photographer around the area. My wife's family was coincidentally also in the photography business. They had their own studio and store for over 50 years. So I had a little bit of a connection with them. I was able to work through them, some of the part-time jobs and all. And one of those part-time jobs was working with a film crew that was making a movie, uh, sort of a a religious theme type movie. And they hired me because of her. And I was working as the photographer with them and started meeting all the people that was working along with the movie and the director and the photographer for the movie, they had a contract with NASA at the time to operate the photo lab. So I'm still working part-time, I'm freelancing and I get a phone call one day and uh, manager of the photo lab says, we got a temporary position available. Would you be interested? And I said, well, how long? And he said, well, it could be six weeks to six months. And I said, of course, I'd be interested. An opportunity like working out NASA would be a, a great benefit. So I took the job and ended up working for them for six months. A few weeks later, there was another temporary job opening 
at the photo lab. So I took it. And then before that was over, they decided to hire me as a photographer. One of the reasons was, I guess they knew who I was. And I was also a scuba diver and an underwater photographer. And one of the things that I enjoyed the most was acting as an underwater photographer in the Marshall Space Flight Center neutral buoyancy simulator. It's a big round swimming pool, 40 feet deep, 75 foot across, maybe a million gallons of water. They would bring the space hardware in their mock-ups of them and see how things would go together. And the neutral buoyancy part of it was that they would have astronauts come to the facility suit up in their pressure suits and then they would put them in the water because they're hooked to airlines and, and things like that so that they could see how they would move around the items that they were going to be installing in space so know where the handrails are know how long their reach was going to be because in those pressure suits you're kind of limited you can't really do it outside of that because you don't know just how limited you're going to be able to reach. Right. So my job was to go in there in the tank and take pictures of them as they were trained so that they would be able to show later on, this is where we need a handrail. This is where we need an extension. This is the tool that we're going to use. So I would photograph all of those things for them. And sometimes I'd run a 16 millimeter underwater photography. Uh, movie camera and that was just a, an exceptional opportunity uh, during that time I think I worked in more than 400 different test dives for them uh, several I remember was the first Hubble repair mission they brought a mock-up of the Hubble telescope put it down in the bottom of the tank and then they would bring the astronauts who are actually going to go up into space and repair it or replace it, I guess, the, the items that they needed and update anything else that they could while we were there. And that went on for, oh, probably eight weeks, 10 weeks or so while they brought in everybody because you could only have two astronauts at one time in the tank. And so I think there was five maybe astronauts, so they all had to take their turn in going down there and seeing what they were going to have to do. And they had full-size mock-ups of the instruments, some as big as refrigerators, that were going to correct the lens for the Hubble telescope for the first time. That's very cool. So what year would that have been, or give or take? Oh, geez. Uh, early 90s. Early 90s. Okay. In 90s, maybe. Okay. okay. Something like that. So as you've been talking there, obviously this is all very, very interesting. And I just keep thinking about something you said toward the beginning was the idea of, you know, having the relationship with your wife, her wife having a family that was in the photo business. And then they had the relationship with the movie uh, company that was making the movie. And then they had, you know, connections with NASA, so forth. Um, you know, one thing I'm trying to impress my students is the importance of building those relationships. And, and I know that obviously in, at the moment, you probably didn't realize how important those relationships were. But looking back now, you can see that. I guess, did you ever go 
out of your way after that to build relationships because you saw their importance? And maybe what were some of the outcomes of other relationships that you were able to build build in this career? Well, uh, I did have plenty of opportunities to, to, to extend myself. You know, the underwater photography was just one side of it. On the other side of it, I was a regular still photographer. I was involved with a lot of different testing that was going on, different hardware buildups. And with them, then I would meet the managers, and then I would meet the, meet the test conductors and the engineers that were involved because I'd be there and taking photos for them. And with that, then they knew who I was. It became, you know, we want Terry, you know, come, come to do this. You know, we want him because we, we understand what he's going to do for us. And that just kind of snowballed, you know, the, the more people I was involved with, with the testing, the more people I met, the more people knew me and, I took those opportunities to as much as I could. Right. So I, I, I went from just being a photographer to being an underwater photographer to being a high speed photographer, a high altitude photographer, and different things like that because I had met those people before and had done jobs for them. And so they knew who I was. And it, just, it was just easy. Right. Talk a little bit about high altitude photography. What what did that entail and how high did you go? <laughs> <laughs> well, I was asked by one of the, the people that I had already done test shots for them for their experiment that they were going to have aboard the space shuttle. So on the ground, I'm, I'm involved with them. I'm doing a lot of photography for them. It happened to be some type of an experiment that was to see how fluids would move in weightless environment. How much pressure would they need to, to push the fluid so that they could refuel in outer space was, was the end product of it. So they got their date to put their experiment on NASA's KC-135 aircraft. That's also referred to as the Vomit Comet. Okay, I have heard of that before, yeah. It's, a, it's an airplane that does what they call parabolas. You go out over the Gulf of Mexico and they do a 2G climb, which makes you twice as heavy. You fall twice as fast. Uh, everything goes down to your stomach and then they go over the top and you're weightless for 45 seconds. Everything in your stomach then goes up to your throat and you just lift off the ground and enjoy the weightless aspect of it. But I'm, I'm strapped down to the experiment so that I can sit and stay in position while they're doing it uh, free fall and running a high speed camera. To get that job, I had to go to, I think, Peterson Air Force Base out in Colorado to do their high altitude training, which meant that I was basically just a classroom half the day, and then they put me in a pressure chamber with the other people in the class, put a mask on us, and then 
evacuated the oxygen so that you would know how to react if something like that would happen. If uh, then it would crack the door and everything would come fuzzy and uh, foggy inside. So you had to be prepared for that possibility. So that in itself was just a load of fun, just being in that that chamber with all the military people right. that were doing that. So I was fortunate to get on the on the plane, and I think over a two week period, I did maybe 150, 160 parabolas wow. over the, over that time. They did 40 a day, out, out, turn around, come back, out, turn around, keep it out all over the ocean, over the oh. Gulf of Mexico, right, and then land back at Houston. Okay. And of course, there was always some free time at the end of each day when the experiments were done, when you were out of film, when everybody was satisfied for their results for that day that you could play. And that's when they pick you up and they throw you the length of the plane and you fly through it like the Superman. <laughs> so you can't be beat. Yeah. yeah or something like that. But that came because of my contact with doing the job on the ground first and my association with the scientists that were actually running that, that type of experiment. Right. And I ended up going out uh, another week for another experiment because they knew I had been there before. Right. So now, as far as when you were in high school, did you take pictures? Is that what you'd always hoped to do when you were in high school? Or was that just something that came about, you know, again, because of your wife and her family? And Well, actually, uh, my father worked for Eastman Kodak there in Finley, okay. Ohio. They had a processing plant there. He was a, a chemist for them, mixing the chemicals for the processing machine. And he would always get experimental film that they were trying to change something out it. They would give it to the employees, take pictures, and then bring it back so they could process it and see if the quality was good enough, what chemicals they would need to process it with, how they would have to change that. Well, my dad would always get half a dozen rolls of film and then wait until the last couple of days before he had to turn it in. And he'd hand me a camera when I was, I guess 14, 15, and say, go out and take some pictures. I need, need these six rolls of film. So I'd go out and I'd take pictures of my dog, my cat, you know, the cows, you know, the house, just anything that I could walk around and, and take pictures of for. And got me interested, or at least I knew about photography. I, I knew how to set the cameras and what film speed meant and all that. Well, then when I was in high school, I was the photographer for the yearbook. So a lot of the candid shots that are in the yearbook, the ones that I took because I had an access to free film and I had access to free pot processing and uh, you can't go wrong with that. No. So that, that kind of got me started in, in photography. And then uh, I actually ended up uh, going to school in Alabama and graduated with a bachelor of science in accounting. So my dream was to be an accountant. And that's where I was working as for, I guess, six years or so in Cincinnati before we moved back to Huntsville and I, I left that job. And coincidentally, I met my wife who had the photography studio and she taught me how to do darkroom 
work, how to actually print it, the negatives. And that was one of the things they wanted is somebody who could print film in my first job at, at Marshall. That's why I was selected. They knew that I could work in the dark room. Right. And, and do that work and everything just kind of snowballed again you know it's just, you learn one thing and take advantage of it and, and learn another thing and, and just keep moving on on like that now how many photographers were there like you or were you the only one and everyone had different specialties or how did that work well there were there were six photographers three still photographers three high-speed film photographers uh, I was at first, I was just a still photographer. I had never done any high speed film before, but when they needed an extra hand, somebody to carry some equipment or something like that, I always volunteered because I, I wanted to learn how to do that. And when one of them got sick and ended up having to retire, there was an opening. I knew more about it than the other two photographers did because I was involved with it. I took that jump you know to go out to help mm -hmm. so i got the promotion and and moved up to the high speed photography so now i'm an underwater photographer i'm still photographer and now i'm a high speed photographer right huh that's awesome now obviously the world has changed a lot since you started uh i'm assuming they do most of their work with digital cameras now and so forth is is photography still a big part of NASA? Is it less of a part now because of how easy it is to get photos and not having to deal with film? And uh, how does that work? That's a real good question. And it was something that concerned all of us at the time because we could be replaced by just about anybody with a little digital camera. Right. But in the high-speed film area, that was more of a specialty. You couldn't just go out and find somebody that knew or understood high-speed film. And that evolved into high-speed digital photography. And it was sort of a, a learning experience again. You know, they needed somebody to go out to California to learn about it. So I volunteered, you know, teach me, you know, show me this. This is something else that I could do. So I went out to California and learned about high-speed digital photography came back told my bosses about it they ended up buying one of the first high-speed digital cameras and we would take that out and of course there was no instruction manual it was more or less you you kind of have to learn how this thing's going to work because even sometimes even the salesman didn't understand how it worked exactly so I took uh, advantage of that, and then it just my partner and I we we pushed to get more cameras like that and uh, better quality ones. And then as that happened, we started to go away from the film, the high speed film, to high speed digital. When when we were doing high speed film, uh, high speeds anything over video speed, you know, which is like thirty frames a second. So we run a lot of things at just 72 frames per second. Up to 400 would be an average that we would use. And then we would go up to 1,200 frames per second 
on the high-speed film. But when we got the digital, that was just, that was slow speed then. We went up to 1,000 frames a second, 2,000 frames a second, 10,000 frames a second, 50,000 frames per second. And, you know, it was, again, we were just learning all this as, as we went along. But there were a lot of uh, people, you know, that were laid off. A lot of the photographers got laid off because the scientist or the test engineer had a digital camera, you know, and he could take his own test set up pictures and stuff like that. Never as good as what I did, but, you know, good enough for them. <laughs> <laughs> and so the high speed digital kept me working there until I retired. You know, it's kind of hard to re do that yourself. Right. Well, and I, I think that's a great thing to remember that, you know, the learning never stops. That it, as soon as you stop learning and, and moving forward, someone else is going to catch you who isn't stopped and going to keep making uh, improvements and you will become outdated very quickly. And, and I think that's awesome how you were able to stay employed there because you kept growing. And I Correct. think that is really important. And it didn't really even stop with the high-speed digital. Uh, I also got into Photoshop. I got into Premiere video editing and became a video person also. And because I could do still photography, video, do my own editing, they sent me over to England. They sent me to Germany. Because one guy could do two jobs. Right. I, could, I could stand there and take the stills, and then I could pick up a video camera and do the video work. And then come back and, and do all the editing and, and that. So, you know, you can't beat the opportunity that I had because of, of the extra knowledge I picked up. Right, right, right. Now, did you ever have the opportunity to go to other NASA facilities. Um, I know you said you went to the Air Force Base to do some training. Uh, you know, did you go to Cape Canaveral? Did you go to uh, Kennedy Space Center? Absolutely. Uh, I guess my first jobs, I think, was out in California, JPL, maybe. And uh, then I was at Houston doing, uh, doing some still work there for, for an experiment that came from Marshall that went to Houston prior to being put on this shuttle to going to Kennedy for the same reasons. I was involved with uh, uh, Marshall Space Flight Center made the space station. Oh, wow. That's where it was manufactured was at Marshall Space Flight Center. So while I was being manufactured, I've been involved with all the photos and, and things like that. And being aboard uh, a piece of equipment that's going to be in space for 20 years or however long they're going to have them up there. That was just wonderful, you know, being able to walk in it before they, they set it up there. But I would also go there for, for some of the launch, the space shuttle launches were just, just amazing. I, I made it a, a purpose to go when they launched the Hubble repair mission, the first one and the second one, because I had worked in the underwater facility with the second one also. So those were two that I wanted to see, but then I would go down and, and see other launches right. at that time. And, and 
get out on the stand, actually be in inches from touching the shuttle while it's, while it's on the stand. You know, just, of course, you can't touch it, but you can get close. <laughs> you know, they don't want anybody touching it. Yeah, yeah. Don't want to don't want to tip that over. Yeah. That's right. Don't, don't, don't put your fingerprints on. Now, any uh, any well known astronauts that you had the opportunity to meet as a result of this, or other dignitaries? Uh, well, I, I took photos of George Bush when he was president. I sat next to Al Gore on a bus going from place to place for half a day. Uh, Lots of senators, lots of representatives, uh, a prince, a lot of Hollywood people would come out there that I would follow them around for their VIP tour and take pictures of them. Right. Uh, the astronauts that would come to the neutral buoyancy simulator, of course, I met all of them and worked with them quite often. And I don't know if they would know my last name, but they always do Terry. And that, that was kind of cool. Yeah. And they would actually sit down and we would talk. You know, it wasn't like an astronaut talking to a crowd. It was two guys talking or a guy and a girl talking. Right. It just getting more personal. And uh, I, I certainly enjoyed that. I had my picture taken with a lot of them. Right, right, right. Well, that's very cool. And ended up making, meeting Neil Armstrong, John Glenn. Some of the big guys, right? Story Musgrave, right? You know, some of the the famous ones, which were just an honor, honor and a privilege, really. Right, right. And talk and speak, speaking of some of those people, you know, you were in high school when the U.S. landed on the moon. Uh, I'm sure you had no idea, sitting watching that on television, that you would have so much interaction with that NASA program. No, as as a matter of fact, when I was going to school. This would have been about 19, going to college, about 1975 or something like that. My mother and father came down from Ohio to visit me, and looking for things to do. And I said, well, let's go to Huntsville to the Space Museum over there. And so we did that. They had a bus tour that would take people out to the arsenal where the NASA was located. And one of the stops was the neutral buoyancy simulator. And I toured that. Oh, 15 years before I actually worked there. And I think, man, you know, at the time I, I was thinking, man, that'd be a great job to have, you know, diving in this tank you know, and seeing all the things that happened. And then 15 years passed, and then I come back and I'm doing it. Well, that is a really, really good story, Terry. And I am really glad that you mentioned to uh, Jack Marshall that you had worked at NASA as you were taking your school tour over this past summer. Uh, really glad to have the opportunity to talk to you and just really appreciate the story. And, and I think it's great for students to hear, here's what's possible. Uh, if you do simply, um, I think at one point you talked about just being there, just be there, be ready to work, be ready to help and get experience. And I think they'll be amazed at some of the doors that might open for you, for them. And I think you're a great example of that. So I really, really appreciate you uh, sharing all of this with us today. Well, thank you very much. Like I said, take, take the opportunities that are there. Thank you for watching this interview with retired NASA photographer Terry Leibold. I hope you learned valuable information from his career story, and be sure you don't miss upcoming interviews. Please click subscribe so you'll know when the next episode is released.
Thank you for watching. And as always, remember the best part about Mondays is interviewing people.